Now to growing concerns about you must stay at home. Total cases in the U.S. now top 8.4 million. The new variant of coronavirus is out of control. I hate you, 2020! Well, that was a pile of crap, I know. However, we did see some amazing tech companies emerge from the crisis. And this podcast is me going around the world talking to founders of these companies. And some of these founder stories are absolutely amazing and can't wait to share them with you. So, from San Francisco to Sydney, my name's Ben Kenwright, introducing the 2020 Entrepreneurs Club podcast. Okay, episode five, how exciting. Well, it is for me, I hope it is for you as well. Thank you for tuning in again and welcome back. Today, we are going back to London, where we're meeting our first fashion tech brand by the name of Vestico, the company, not the person. And to give a brief introduction to Vestico, put it this way, if you've been anything like me, buying the odd item of clothing in lockdown, receiving the item of clothing, trying it on, realizing it doesn't fit, or it just looks ridiculous, and you put it back in the box to send back, then Vestico is about to save you a lot of hassle very clever concept about showing us what the clothing will look like on someone similar to ourselves before we actually hit that purchase button. And today we have their co-founder, Maya Sasania, taking us through this concept. Um, But the big picture here is how Vestico is about to reduce the wastage in the fashion industry. And before I had this conversation with Maya, I was unaware of the sheer scale of wastage in the fashion industry. So not only is this gonna make us happier consumers by not buying a load of stuff that we have to repackage and send back, uh, it's gonna have a tremendously positive effect on the environment as well. So without further ado, welcoming Maya Sasania of Vestico. Maya, welcome, how are you? I am good, Ben. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. And uh, whereabouts in the world are you today? I am in London. Where, whereabouts is your lockdown? Um, my lockdown is in Peddington overlooking Canal, so it's pretty nice. I, I'm in Barnet overlooking Patio. <laughs> um, so, Maya, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what brings you here today. I am originally from Georgia, which is the country, not the state. I get that a lot. and I was born and raised there. Um, I did my uni between Paris and New York, mostly Paris, and started working in tech in Paris as soon as I graduated um, my uni, and that was kind of my first interaction with um, the tech world. And so I fell in love and I continued working in tech for the next couple of years. But I um, decided to move to San Francisco afterwards, which really then introduced me to the whole entrepreneurial world, right, and the tech world of, uh, of San Francisco, and then came back to Georgia um, to work with a healthcare tech startup. And now I live in London doing my MBA and building a startup in fashion tech. So been a bit all over the place, but excited to settle in London for, for at least a couple of years. Yes, indeed. So you decided to start an MBA, probably the hardest thing you can do at a university and a tech startup at the same time in lockdown. I know, weird, right? So, Vestigo, tell us, uh, what's the catalyst? Tell us more about what the brand is, uh, because uh, from what I can see, it's a very, very interesting one. Well, thank you. So, the story is, uh, is a bit funny, but we, my co-founder and I uh, were married. <laughs> That's also Maybe. interesting. 
<laughs> I know, I know. Um, and we, we, we knew that we wanted to, to start something together because we have both tech background. He, he has a, he's a technical co-founder. So he'd worked for Apple for a couple of years, managed teams there. Um, and I worked more on a product side of things, right? Product marketing, product management. And then, you know, we came to this point in life. This was before COVID that we knew we wanted to do something. But, you know, we were quite comfortable in our jobs. And, you know, that there was, you know, there was nothing that pushed us kind of over the edge to start the company. Um, and at some point, we both moved back to Georgia and I was working. And that was the moment when we knew we wanted to do something. But we weren't quite sure what yet. Um, oh, sorry, Mike, wh- wh- when is this? When are we talking uh, at this point in time you've moved, you've moved back to Georgia? This is already 2020, right? right okay. But the beginning of it. There is, there is no COVID in Europe yet, right? So yeah. this is just the beginning when we're, when we're trying to think about what we want to do. And, you know, it was, I think it was the, it was Black Friday, I think. And we came home and we saw like these piles of boxes in our entrance and we just sat down and thought, well, what is this? And we realized that we bought a lot of things. Um, or you some, live in house and you forgot. No, we just bought things and, you know, we were going to return like 90% of the stuff. And there was kind of like aha moment. It's like, obviously, we bought all these things online and we wanted to return most of the stuff. And we, we kind of sat down and, you know, asked ourselves a question, why? Why is it that, you know, we have a literal pile, like pile of boxes at home, about to be returned, most of it the same items, right, in different sizes. And we realized that possibly because the the experience between shopping online and shopping in person is just drastically different. And that's kind of where the idea of Vestico came about. Okay, so to explain the premise of Vestico is essentially, from my understanding so far, looking over your website and our very brief conversation the other day, it is, and you're gonna explain this far better than me in a second, but essentially it's people are able to see what the clothes will look like at point of purchase, right? Um, exactly. So walking back to this moment where you're in the, in the hallway staring at boxes of shoes, none of these shoes are, are any good, right? Well, this is what I'm picturing in my head anyway. Right, uh, jeans though. Jeans, okay. <laughs> Had you before then been more of a, an in-person shopper? Um, I would say half and half. Okay. But as you know, as shops started to slowly close down during the pandemic, there was no more in-person shopping. Okay. So, you know, we, everyone was slowly, I think, switching to, to online, but for us, it's, you know, you know, we're part of the generation that finds it very easy to shop online. I think my parents still would like to go in and, you know, try things on, but more and more we see people migrating to shopping online. But the, you know, the funny thing was that by the time we decided to build something with Vestico, it was like the pandemic has struck and, People were telling us, you know, you're you're insane. Um, what in the world? Like, why would you start a company in the middle of the pandemic in an industry where every retailer is 15 minutes away from ba- bankruptcy? Literally, people, you know, our parents or our friends were really, I think, a bit concerned about the decision. But, you know, we decided to go ahead anyway because we... I think that, you know, we talked a bit about like the 2020 entrepreneurship, right? And like, what is the catalyst there? And I think for us, the big thing was like, everyone's kind of taking a pause. The world economy is almost taking a pause. So why don't we in this time work and get something done? So when we have, you know, better days, we're ready. 
and we have a product. I, I honestly think people are quite supportive, but they do look at you as though you're a bit batshit crazy. Uh, <laughs> um, but there's two parts to it. You can either have a, a tech concept that is not necessarily capitalizing on the situation, but a tech concept that's really relevant to the changing of the world. Uh, but you've also got concepts that, uh, well, you, you've got a period in time that enables you to put together a business that will be first out the starting blocks when, when we recover. Uh, when your competitors might be in a bit of a period of paralysis because they, they've been so majorly disrupted. Uh, so yeah. in terms of starting a business in 2020, I, I think you know a lot of it is a win-win. Um, so talk us through the, the concept itself. So how a buyer's experience changes if Vestigo is a part of that you know, technology journey that they're undertaking. Right. So as, as I've said, looking at the pile of things that we've ordered online, we, we kind of, you know, thought, is this the problem that we're solving for ourselves or is this a general problem? And what we realized is that, you know, four out of 10 fashion items we buy online gets returned on average. Um, why? Because they don't fit properly. And we realized that these growing cost of returns was doing massive damage to, to fashion retailers' revenue. And somehow, more importantly, it, we realized that it was horrible for the environment, like increasing CO2 emissions and you know, with congestion, et cetera. And in 2019, and that was something that was really like, that was the moment when we knew this was the right problem to solve, we realized that about like over six billion pounds of returns landed in the landfill because the retailers couldn't resell it, you know, or they were burned. So we knew we were attacking the right problem. So we asked ourselves kind of a question like, you know, how can we make sure that shoppers, when they go online on a retailer's website, can shop with confidence so they don't have to return as much? And, you know, anything short of seeing yourself in the mirror, we thought was seeing somebody who has your similar body type, and we called it a buddy double here at Vestico. Before COVID or after, because they're two very different things right now. <laughs> yeah, any anytime. Okay, okay. Before and after, but yeah, you're right. So what we do is we show you um, here at Vestico, we show you how, how someone with your body measurements looks in what you want to buy. So imagine wanting to buy jeans and instead of just seeing images of the model, you see your body double rocking them. So it's like looking in the mirror before you buy. And it's important not only because all of a sudden, like you're seeing someone who looks like you, you know, wear stuff you want to buy, but I think it helps the fashion retailers kind of engage their shoppers in a more diverse shopping experience, right? We we hear all this talk about body positivity and representation, but what, what ends up happening is a lot of times when you go shopping, you see a size zero model. And then on that model, everything looks good. It's, it's not accurate. I mean, I hope I look like the, the, the generic mannequin in store, obviously, but I'm sure that's not actually the case. You look like a model, so oh, there is, you, you do not Maya, need to use Vestico, but for, for the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, the figures you talk about are crazy. Uh, remind me, how much lands in uh, landfill? Well, like about six billion pounds. That's crazy. It all makes sense now, especially during COVID where well, I was never an online shopper. I, I do actually genuinely enjoy going in and trying on clothes. I'm probably 
the rarity amongst men that actually enjoy going to queue up for a change room. But hey ho, that's that's my thing. But I've been buying clothes in lockdown because, well, I guess I'm bored. <laughs> I've been sending a lot of stuff back because what it looks like on the screen doesn't necessarily match up when it gets here. And also I watch my wife become a professional returner, right? And, and <laughs> the, the brands have had to adapt to it. So ASOS and even higher end brands, they're sending you the return label ready. Even though it absolutely makes sense now that we return in around 40% of our stuff, you just don't notice uh, that at the time. It's crazy. And if you were to compare that to in-store shopping, that'd be a huge amount. It'd be like, so you've gone to the shops, you've bought all of these things, or you go to the shops regularly, and then you literally take half of it back. Um, this has huge repercussions on the environment. Until someone points it out to you, I genuinely think that most people are kind of unaware of it. How have you found that kind of um, reception when you, when you tell people that these, these kind of stats and the impact it's having on the environment? How do people take it? They're absolutely shocked because, as you just said, very well put, they have no idea. Until I went in and did my research, I had no idea about the environmental cost of returns, right? Well, we all know that fashion is like one of the biggest offenders when it comes to, you know, in environment. See, I didn't know that when you think about it, when someone points out to you that, you know, the fashion is going to be a big polluter. But instinctively, if you are someone which industries are worse for the environment they're going to say uh, obviously uh, automotive uh, aviation oil and, oil and gas the chemical plants right. how does it rank amongst those other big industries i would say it's in top five okay yeah so i think we see a lot of strides from different fashion brands now in terms of becoming more sustainable like the first two companies that vestico has worked with especially the first one that we launched with, right? It's called Maya Echo. It's a sustainable Kuwaiti brand. They're, they're trying to be end-to-end sustainable. Um, and what that means is, you know, they don't just look at how their materials are sourced, but they look at how they pay their workers. They look at how they repackage, how they iron. Like, you know, seeing that gives real hope. But then the reality of the thing is not every brand is going to be end-to-end sustainable i mean especially the big brands is impossible and the other reality is that people won't stop shopping tomorrow and they won't stop returning so the best thing that we can do is essentially give a bit more confidence into how users shop so then we can at least help on that front um but our you know our our goal and our vision as a company we don't just want to be you know a, a, a feature that helps you find the perfect fit we want to inform the retailers in the beginning of their value chain process on how to make clothes that will fit their buyers better so that you know we don't have to deal with the problem at the end of the value chain when somebody's clicking on the buy. It's an amazing um, concept for starters. It's like so simple, it's genius. You know, why can't I see a picture of someone that looks like me when I'm buying a shirt, you know? If you think about the amount of technology that humans have created, why hasn't this been done before? Um, but when you actually start to look behind the scenes, I think all of this is amazing. And the sky's the limit as to what you can do. But even in the short term, it's such a huge industry that if Vestigo enables companies to move the needle slightly on limiting returns, then that is making a huge positive impact to any revenue loss and more importantly, a huge positive impact to, uh, to the environment.
So, Maya, let's actually walk through the, the partnership end of this, like what happens behind the scenes. So, I've got an understanding of the buyer's experience, but when right. it comes to distributors and the way that you're going to be partnering with wholesalers right through to the retailers themselves, what does that look like now? And, and how did you guys start? Who was the first or who is going to be the first retailer? And, and what kind of journey do you see yourselves embarking on in, in that regard? We, we've already launched a week ago with our first retailer. I just mentioned Maya Echo. Okay, so this, they are a retailer. Okay, right. They are a retailer. They're a fashion retailer. And so what happens is from a retailer's point of view, it's super easy because we just embed on their platforms. It's a white label solution. So we don't, you know, we can embed on anyone's platform. From a user's point of view, they see it as a part of the platform. So there's nothing extra that the user and no extra steps that the user needs to take. We really thought about the user experience here when we're building Vestico. And what happens is user inputs their body measurements, very simple stuff, right? You need to pull out the ruler and measure yourself. And then they get matched with their so-called body double. And that body double is an actual shopper. And that's a very important point, right? Uh, we didn't want to create avatars. We didn't want to create, you know, like computer modeled pictures of like models and slap, you know, digital clothes on them. We wanted real shoppers because you know user generated content increasing increases customers willingness to buy by about 70 percent so not only minimizing you know losses or you know costs incurred for retailers on the on the return front you're actually potentially maximizing sales as well absolutely and you know we we do believe that seeing somebody like a real shopper who looks like you wearing something does increase your confidence and does tell you, you know what, don't worry, you won't look like a sack of potatoes in this shirt. It will look great on you. <laughs> I tell you as well, one thing that I think, uh, you know, humans just do in general is, I, I, I certainly know men do this. I know this from recent experience. Uh, our wedding was last year in Thailand and I had six groomsmen to, to get fitted, right? I asked them their waist sizes. Okay, I'm a 33, uh, it, this guy's a 34. We get the trousers nothing fit right and like guys you're not that yeah yeah but i will be right so it's what they're aspiring to which is good it's healthy people should always aspire to to get to the shape that they want so let's say i'm a 34 now but i should be a 32 and i go on and you ask me my measurements i'm going to put in 32 and i'm going to see someone trim and go yeah that looks good and I'll buy it, and even if it doesn't fit, then it's giving me something to aspire to, if that makes sense, or maybe it's just how my own crazy mind works. Yeah, I think a lot of people- So you do weight wow. loss as well. This is genius. You're like covering all bases. It's like saving <laughs> humanity. <laughs> Thank you. No, and that's why we, we don't show you just one picture. We show you different people. We won't show you, Ben, just one guy okay. wearing those, those trousers. We'll show you a bunch of them, and we'll show you guys who are your height and your weight, but they're going to wear medium. They're going to, you know, wear large and you get to decide which one you like. We never recommend the sizes. We never tell you, Ben, you got to get M. We give you the power to decide by just showing you the pictures. And we say, which one of those guys do you think looks best? Is it the one that wears medium or large? And then you decide based on that. And I think there is a real power in that. You're taking that person back in store in the best way you can. Yes. So Maya. 2020 Entrepreneurs Club, 
kind of clue in the title, but I think what all of us are sharing is not only, you know, the catalyst and how these ideas have, have come about because of COVID or in spite of COVID and how they're relevant now, what the dream is. But can we rewind back a little bit to how you and Ben started putting this together? Like, what did you do first? Where did you go and get some cash? And how did the build start? And how did you get to this point? As I've said before, I'm married to my co-founder. We've married five years ago, so it's been a while. But it's not something, I, I don't think this is something that you come across that often. But you know what I say, as I say, like if you have somebody who you think is a perfect co-founder for you right there in front of you, then you don't go searching. Um, and I, I thought our skills were very complementary. But yeah, we started off with just very simple proof of concept, right? Test it out, friends and family, go on to the sketch, just, you know, make some designs. And I'm a big, big fan of like Dan Olson's product playbook. I live by it. So not going to bore you with details, but honestly, just step by step, like really proof of concept, talk, do the user interviews, uh, qualitative, quantitative, just see what the users are saying and then take it from there. Right. And so we did iterate fast, scrap the things that we didn't like and learned a lot from friends and family, then went on and experimented on a bigger user base. And then only after that did we start building a solution. Uh, we even built an app that then we sacked completely. So it's it's a process. I think every entrepreneur knows it's it's a process. We didn't raise any money because we, we were completely bootstrapped. We weren't trying to raise any money to be specific. We knew that we had enough skills between Benny and I to build this initial thing and get traction. And then we've got joined in my business school by now one of our core team members who is the head of um, all commercial um, maddie and she has been just one of the best additions to our team so i think and then we've been joined by marketing manager sarvin now so between all of us it's it's been wonderful this is such a grassroots um startup story just bootstraps you your husband people that you've met in business school it's just it's kind of like how how you'd kind of want all businesses to start out, you know, this this nice story. The only thing missing is this, you know, like if you're going to compare it to like the old school Silicon Valley stories is the fact that you guys aren't in a shed, you're, you're all in lockdown in London. Uh, so you've bootstrapped so far, first partner is live. So I can go on to, remind me the name of, of your partner? Maya Echo. Maya so Echo. you can go on Maya Echo and just see how it works. So everyone out there can get online and start buying clothes through Maya Eka. And yeah, and now we're going to be joined by our second retailer. Um, we just actually finalized that yesterday. Also a sustainable brand. So I don't know how, but we're seeing a little trend here. <laughs> this was never intended, right? Like-minded people, you know, thinking yeah. in the same domain. We were initially having doubts about doing Instagram or giving a massive personality to our company because it's a B2B vertical SaaS platform. But then Instagram is such a massive selling tool and it's such a massive branding tool as well because it is honestly like the values that we have, which is about sustainability and body positivity, brands really connected with these values. and. We had no idea that being a B2B platform 
you could get that kind of interest and that kind of traction just by putting your values out in the world, right? And talking about them. So if anyone's there trying to do B2B, it is important to have a brand identity. It is important to put what you believe out there. Um, and I think one big part of it was you ask, like, how did we come about it? When we started thinking about Vestico and just generally the problem that we were trying to solve, the one thing that we said, we wanted to to be a part of a company that we would happily wake up every single day for the next 10 to 15, 20, however many years and be able to commit to and do. And I think that was it. We knew I was a massive, massive fan of fashion. So that helped. So you're in a position now as a business. Are you generating revenue right now from, from this partner? Our first client was the trial basis and the second one for the first couple of weeks will be trial basis as well. Okay. As a business now, infrastructure-wise, are you able to accommodate more? Yes, yeah. absolutely. And we, we wanted to launch with just one retailer with Maya. So it was very important for us to do that. But now we are ready and happy to take on more, more retailers. Take over the world. And are you guys going to embark on the funding route now? Yes, actually, we are talking to a couple of VCs. We're trying to see what is the right course of action for us. But yeah, we're trying to fundraise right now. I must say, when you look at the brand, it doesn't necessarily say bootstrapped. It's, uh, it, it looks very well established and it's put together very, very nicely. When you originally told me that you hadn't had any funding so far, I was surprised in a good way. Very positive feedback from me. So. Maya, coming through the experience so far, what have been the biggest challenges because of the COVID situation? From the lockdown to possibly locked in the house with Ben or just not being able to travel, see people, wherever it may be. What have been the biggest shit things because of COVID? Honestly, doing business school. Before going to business school, I didn't even know what they taught in finance class, like let alone go and do a finance class in one of the top MBAs. And doing that while building a company, while trying to have a good social life and stay fit is a trying task. <laughs> but I think I've been personally, me, I've been so busy that 2020 was over like a blink of an eye. So it wasn't even a struggle in the sense. I think definitely not being able to travel as much or see family and friends was the biggest thing. But outside of that, it's just been extremely busy. And I do believe that someone said that people who are very busy don't get sad as much. I think that's kind of true because you just don't have time. I, I think like that. Being busy keeps me sane on the brink of it anyway. But I hate to think what would happen if I stop. Yeah. I think I'd just end up uh, completely batshit. One thing that's been really hard, and I know this is not going to position me well for your listeners, but I just really miss cut. Like, I want a haircut. <laughs> I am quite lucky in that my wife can cut hair to a pretty reasonable level. So I'm one of those smug people that occasionally looks trimmed. <laughs> I do definitely want to go to a proper hairdresser. But yeah, I absolutely sympathize. But I, you look at absolutely fine to me. I, I talk to lots of people on Zoom calls. <laughs> some, some people have got some crazy head attire going on. So hopefully it won't be too long. But uh, I, I, I completely think that is a fair thing to miss uh, yeah. in this lockdown situation. So on the flip side, 
What what are the silver linings for you of the whole 2020 entrepreneur's experience so far? Just seeing something that was an idea born in our living room in the midst of boxes come to life and being used by people worldwide. That feeling cannot be beat, I think. When you create something and then you see it being used and you start receiving positive feedback or negative feedback, doesn't matter, any type of feedback. And it's just something coming to life, right? That's just such a massive feeling. I think that was that was a highlight for the whole team. And then being able to go through this journey in business school and have all of the people be so supportive. Like I have some, I've met some of the most brilliant people through my school. One of them being Maddie, who I mentioned is now one of the big, big parts of our team. Um, Seeing all these people, meeting all these people and getting help from everyone is entrepreneurship is not a lonely journey. Like people think you need to ask for help and you'll get it. And you need to ask for expertise and you get it. And that's what I've seen at least up until now through my journey in entrepreneurship. I've seen the same, you know, entrepreneurs aren't going to just come to you and uh, ask you if you need help. These are the busiest people on earth. But I've been massively pleasantly surprised when speaking to other entrepreneurs. I was having a demo done by a technology product, a company called Sourcebreaker. And the CEO that ran the, the, the meeting and I just started talking to him about where we're at in the business. And he essentially spent the whole hour giving me free advice from someone that had been through multiple funding rounds and, you know, just being a really good egg when it comes to empathizing and with someone that's a few years behind them on that journey. And I was like, wow, people are actually really, really willing to, to give you a bit of their time, considering these people just don't have, have much time in the first place. And the, the company I used to work for, They've been really supportive as well. And I think entrepreneurs naturally gravitate towards other entrepreneurs and want other people to succeed, you know, Uh, even competitors. You know, I don't necessarily mean direct people that used to work together and split up. But, you know, I think every person that's been through the struggles of getting a business off the ground will always empathize with someone else who's about to do the same. And this is what I want this network as well. You know, we're kind of all on the same level here right now. Because, you know, all these businesses have been around for five minutes, but in 12, 24 months time and beyond, these businesses are all going to change and and adapt and and turn into these magical ventures. Uh, And it'd be nice if we're all here giving each other a bit of uh, collaboration, crying on each other's shoulders. So speaking of which, what's the next one, two, three years have in store for Vestigo? Number one is help as many retailers as we can to give their shoppers best shopping experiences and then really try to figure out the beginning to the end of the value chain and how we can make sure that retailers a first make clothes that are good fit for their customers and then how can we deliver the best shopping experiences on the end of the value chain to the shoppers and this is going to be a big big journey fashion is slowly but very very surely going to into more in a sustainable side of things like if you go walk through selfridges right all of their window shops are you know about sustainability and now you see chanel putting up bonds sustainability bonds and promising i think it was to decrease their carbon footprint by i don't remember what percent but 
you know, it's all of these big companies making such massive strides towards sustainability keeps us very hopeful. And, and we just hope to be part, you know, even if a small part in, in that journey. Yeah, well, as I said, you, you, you move the needle on, on this, you know, on the wastage in the fashion industry, even the tiniest amount, it's going to make a huge impact for businesses and the environment. So I think it's a very cool looking brand. Uh, you guys have a very close knit, grassroots up type magic to the team story. Uh, and I think what you're doing is amazing. And I can't wait to keep an eye on this over the next few years. Now some important questions. Paris or San Francisco? Oh, Paris, 100%. San Francisco or London? London. You're not going to get San Francisco out if you're not a big fan. But London or Paris? <laughs> Oof, Paris still. Ah, <laughs> oh, that was the wrong answer. <laughs> depends on what you're asking about, right? I mean, it, it depends. I was just putting you on the spot. And Paris, Paris is like seventh favorite city in Europe. <laughs> and are you guys in London for the for the long haul? Is this going to be the Vestigo headquarters for a while? Yep. I think this is it. We, we are so tired of moving across continents. And I think it would be nice to just sit in one place and focus. And so I think this is it. This is it for us. So it's also honestly getting to know like the entrepreneurship scene here, because, you know, it's it's all about San Francisco. The hype is the San Francisco. But I've met... But not for fashion. They only wear one brand. I can't remember the name. Patagonia. Patagonia, yeah. And all birds. <laughs> on their feet <laughs> so i i go wearing skinny jeans and they're like what the fuck are you wearing it's certainly not a, a a fashion place no definitely not but no honestly like the level you know the of entrepreneurs and the businesses that i've seen here is mind-blowing i mean people are doing some incredible stuff even if you look at my school i mean just people just so much happening and it's very very exciting and i don't think london's at the moment as saturated as San Francisco. So I think it's a, honestly a perfect place. For you guys, I think it's perfect. You know, you, at the end of the day, London is a, you, you're not a fashion company. You're, you're a, tech, a tech company, a fashion tech. Um, uh, so it helps that London is a, still a powerhouse city for, you know, tech entrepreneurship, but it's also a fashion city as well. Uh, yeah. So it's gonna help that you've got all of those brands around you. Uh, you know, it, and it, it, it's, it's London or New York, right, for, for a brand like this. Not yeah, hard. and I mean, don't get me wrong, like, one of, the, one of the companies that we really look up to, which is Rent the Runway, they're headquartered in New York, if I'm not mistaken, but they're an American fashion tech company. I'm not saying, like, you can't do great and big things in, in fashion tech in the U.S., but I'm just saying, I think we kind of bring the best of both worlds because we do have experience working in the Silicon Valley and now bringing that experience plus all the great things that London has to offer back to Europe. So I think it's it's a perfect spot for us to be at right now. Definitely. And hopefully we'll be able to leave the house soon. So when did you move to London? August. August. Yeah. So you've kind of <laughs> just known London in lockdown. Well, August, I think we were allowed out for about a week. I've been walking around Paddington, but that's about it. I've Googled Buckingham Palace, so I know how it looks from the outside, but that's, that's about it. It looks the same in person. You're not missing much. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> well, anyway, Maya, this has been a, a fantastic conversation. Anything you want to say to all the listeners before we sign off? Well, thank you so much, first of all, for having us. And what a fantastic idea. Like, this is great. Can can you tell the listeners? I don't know if you've said this, but why did you, how did you come up with the 2020 Entrepreneurs Podcast? 
they hear it at the start of, of every episode, but uh, since you asked, I'll tell it again. So I literally went through this experience that we're talking about on every episode with different entrepreneurs and, you know, even having to communicate with my co-founder just via Zoom and then, you know, just developing the business, choosing suppliers, handing over lots of money to people that you would usually go and shake hands with and look them in the eye. And I'd been used to working remotely, but in technology, but setting up a business remotely was a whole different ball game. And I thought there must be other people out there doing this and I'd like to get to know them. So the idea was the, the 2020 Entrepreneurs Club that would be an actual club where we would have an online network and we could do meetups and stuff. And then it was over Christmas. I thought, why not jump on a podcast and start to talk about it? So. The only thing is, we've all kind of got a similar story and timeline so far. <laughs> we've all started at home in a lockdown, not allowed out of the house. We had to jump on Zoom videos, but no, I'm kidding. We've got a, a really good variety of, of guests, I, and I don't just mean sectors. Obviously, everyone's technology orientated, but, you know, the verticals, we've got fashion tech, fintech, martech, health tech, and more from all over the world. And it's fascinating. There, there are lots of unique stories. You know, you're... You're the first husband and wife team, the first one doing an MBA and, and then the business itself is unique. But, you know, the, the, the human side and the business side, so many interesting, unique stories are coming out so far. So thank you for asking because it is nice to, to explain this in a little bit more detail. And yeah, it's, uh, I, I'm glad we've done it because so far so good. And uh, I hope this keeps on progressing. It'd be quite nice um, for people to keep an eye on our progress over the next, you know, one, two, three years. And uh, we'll have to probably change the name eventually because it, it's not 2020 anymore. No, but no, I think this is such a momentous year for everyone that you you won't actually have to. Like, well, people will think of it as like, ha ha ha, who are those guys? Like, why would they start a business in 2020? But it's it's a it's a genius name. I loved it when I when I heard about it. So I think the name will stick and. No matter how many years go by, people will remember 2020 for, for maybe for other reasons other than what we want, but still. I agree with you. It, it's just if they're trying to forget it and then uh, I keep walking around banging on about it again, I, I might get some, uh, <laughs> some angry responses, but uh, we'll worry about that when the time comes. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much to Maya. I really enjoyed that entrepreneurship story, a true 2020 entrepreneurship story. And Maya was an incredible guest as well. So thanks again to Maya. I love the fact a husband and wife team bought loads of jeans. And I don't know why they're all jeans, but they bought loads of jeans and were looking at these packages thinking, there's way too many bits of plastic and cardboard and we need to do something about it. And they did. Vestico is a really cool brand and it's gonna solve three things that I'm really looking forward to seeing solved. One, the buying experience and the fact that I won't have to keep sending stuff back. Two, really helping the fashion industry at a time when a lot of it really needs the support on a revenue basis, but also limiting that pollution that's caused when we send stuff back to ASOS and other online retailers. Until it was pointed out to me, I did not realize the extent of it. And I suppose once it is pointed out to you, it's really bleeding obvious. You know, if we're packaging up half of, well, around 30% of what we buy and we're sending it back, you've got the plastics, you've got the packaging, you've got the delivery driver that drives it on the lorry. You know, there's so many factors here that cause a huge amount of damage to the environment. And moving the needle on that is going to be absolutely tremendous. 
If you want to check out the buying experience, the partner that Maya mentioned is a brand called Maya Echo, M-A-Y-A-E-C-O.com. Another ethical fashion brand, so get on there, check it out, maybe treat yourself, and when you treat yourself, you'll go through the Vestico buying experience. We have covered three countries out of 15, so we have 12 to go, and well, next week we're still in London, but after that we're going to get back on the virtual round the world thing and start visiting some amazing places. If you want to see more about where we are headed, please subscribe. If you like the podcast, rate it. Also jump on our socials. We're on LinkedIn, the 2020 Entrepreneurs Club, and we are on Instagram as well, 2020 Entrepreneurs Club. Thank you for tuning in as ever. Do join us next week for another 2020 Entrepreneurs Club podcast.